Well, friends, it's good to be back with you again this morning. For those who didn't notice, I wasn't here last week. Um, I had the privilege of leading the service over at Salford Park, and that was a very happy time, and met up with a number of people that I hadn't seen for quite some time. But here we are again, and as you know, we commenced a journey a couple of weeks ago following, uh, following Jesus in the company of Peter. We're going to take a few steps further down that journey this morning and if you've got your tablets or your devices or in fact your Bibles um, you might like to open to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 we're going to read this morning just the the first 10 verses and see how we go with these 1 Peter chapter 1 Peter um, chapter 2 so therefore Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for in scripture it says see I lay in Zion a stone chosen and a precious cornerstone and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I was nearly going to introduce you to the four themes that run through this scripture, but I hope that you'd listen to the scripture rather than search for other themes. But going right through these beautiful words, as Peter was writing very much from his own up and down experience of following Jesus, there are these beautiful themes of loving, growing, building, and serving. So if you forget everything else that goes on beyond this point, just remember those four words. Loving, growing, building and serving. So Peter starts off by saying, therefore. Now that's always a catch to that kind of word because it means that we've got to go back and check out on what he actually was saying. And so Peter's saying to us, by the way, before we continue... Remember what I wrote to you last time. 
Remember what we talked about a fortnight ago. Remember that? Peter was saying, know who you are in Christ. Be confident of that. You're a chosen people. You've been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And you've been saved by the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember who you are in Christ. And then he went on and said, remember what you have in Christ. And he wrote those beautiful, immortal words, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in all, with all spiritual blessings through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ to an inheritance that will never disappear, fade or spoil, kept in heaven for you. And a whole lot more. Remember, don't forget all that you have in Christ. And then he said, oh, by the way, Get your minds into action because you're not in t- it's not intended that you just sit there and gloat over all of this. There's work to be done. And so in the next few verses, he, he went on and challenged us with the kind of lives we should be living. But here he says, therefore, and he's taking us back to that beautiful verse just a few verses earlier in chapter 1. He's talking about a theme that he refers to, goes back to time and time again, and it's the theme of loving. He's already touched on it in chapter 1, where he reminds us that though having not seen Jesus, you love him. Why? Because Christ has poured God's love into our lives, and as a result, our love for Jesus spills out as a consequence and then he picks up the theme on love again towards the end of chapter one and he says love one another deeply from the heart I think I referred to that a fortnight ago but here we go isn't it a beautiful verse of scripture love one another deeply from the heart now over the last how long is it since I've been here with you about three or four weeks I'm not counting Um, But it's been very, very special to to be with you. And speaking about love, I can say confidently this morning that over these past few weeks, I have seen many beautiful expressions of love within the life of this church. Now, I'm not going to enumerate those and embarrass people, but be assured that your gestures of love through word, through email, through telephone call, through leadership, through just being you, don't go unnoticed. And friends, I believe that a loving spirit is part of the spiritual DNA of this church. And we need to be encouraged by these beautiful words in Peter's Peter's letter. We all know that we're trained in love in our homes and in our families. And I was reminded of that yesterday because my son and daughter-in-law are going overseas towards the end of the week and they've got a little 10-year-old son, our grandson, and he's got two beautiful little um, guinea pigs. And we love playing with the guinea pigs when, when we're there. But lo and behold... Guess what my daughter-in-law said to us yesterday? Oh, Graham and Isabel, do you think you can look after the guinea pigs while we're away for three weeks? 
Do you know what my immediate reaction was? I've got to say it, even in church, it wasn't very polite. And then I felt convicted about that and I thought, these hard-working people are going overseas, they're my family, two little beautiful guinea pigs, why can't I look after them? Why can't Isabel look after them? <laughs> that was a good quick thought, wasn't it? So we, we got, managed to get home yesterday a two-storey, um, what do you call it? Hutch. So that's, that's installed on our back deck so that foxes won't come and, and get to these guinea pigs. That would be a tragedy if they got back and they were, the guinea pigs weren't there. We had a story to tell. But the other one was, I, I said to Oscar, our little 10-year-old, while you're away, would you like me to take some photographs of your two guinea pigs and I'll send them to you? And his little face just lit up. And I felt, what a good thing. I'd repented of my selfishness <laughs> because the smile on his face was a beautiful reward. But friends, isn't it in our homes that we learn and practice love? And isn't it in the church family where we receive love from God, we, we respond in our loving praise, and we go out into the community, and through our words and through our actions, through our patience, through our inconvenience, we live out the love of Jesus. Love one another deeply from the heart. Loving. That's the first theme. I better move on. The second one is growing. And in verse 2, Peter says, Like newborn babies, and you can be assured, I'm not going to take all this long on each verse. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Growing. Such an important aspect of life, isn't it? And if we see our children are not growing in some dimension of their being, we get concerned about that. And Peter was concerned that these Christian communities spread out through the far-flung regions of modern-day Turkey, where it's hard to be a Christian today, let me say. Peter was concerned that they would grow and be strengthened and become strong and robust as they walk with Jesus. So Peter had a few things to say about that. Firstly, he said, look, if you're going to grow in your faith, there's one thing you've got to do, and that is to get rid of harmful habits. And then he, he enumerated a number of them. He said, get rid of all malice and deceit. And then he said, get rid of hypocrisy, evil and slander. And this bunch of evil um, elements in life is only one among several in Scripture. You remember in the Old Testament, we're reminded that there are seven things God hates. In a modern translation, they are these. Arrogant eyes. A tongue that tells lies. Murdering hands. A wicked scheming heart. A rush towards evil. A witness who falsifies truth. A troublemaker in the family. And then Paul in Colossians has a go as well. And he says, your old life is dead. That means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, 
doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. Now, some of this kind of language appears a little dated when we live in our modern world. But friends, let me say that those elements are very, very present in circumstances like these. This week, we read about the CEO of Audi and Volkswagen tampering with emissions reduction computer technology and facing a very, very serious sentence. We read the calls of a 10-year-old child. Imagine this, little 10-year-old child hiding in a cupboard at home, speaking on a mobile phone to a policeman while her parents were out and her house was being burgled. I don't know whether you heard that phone call during the week. really stirred me up. We read about professional crime among senior executives in our banking and finance industries. We read about road trauma and violence resulting from addictions and health disorders. We read about a fatal attack on an innocent young woman walking home. We read about brutal attacks on law officers and seniors in their homes. We read about access to sordid material on the internet. And our children and young people and all of us come to understand on television that sports bet and gambling has a significant place in the broadcasting of elite sports. Friends, that's the world we live in. It might appear more modern from the text of Scripture, but it arises from those very same evils at work in our world today. And that's why Peter takes us back to these very things. He says, get rid of those harmful habits. <clears throat> Yesterday, one of our weekend newspapers, um, and I haven't read it all yet, but just enough to get the gist of it, says that we are now living in a post-truth world. How do you like that? You can't believe every word that a person says. The article about this particular issue is called The Fight for Truth. Fans having to battle for truth. But that's the world we live in, friends. And therefore, Peter says, discard harmful habits. And then he goes on and says, once you've done that, desire healthy food. And he says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Now we know these days that many people are seeking after a healthy lifestyle and these days exercise is popular, whether it's walking, riding a bike, swimming or doing exercises on on horrible-looking machinery along a racetrack or a walking track or whatever, eating sensibly, and there are so many dimensions to our attempt to live a healthy lifestyle. And the purpose of a healthy diet and exercise is that we may grow into a healthy person, body, mind and spirit. And Peter is taking that theme and giving it a spiritual twist. 
application. Grow up in your salvation. Develop a healthy spiritual life. How do we achieve this? Well, the ancient, the ancient writers talked about spiritual disciplines, spiritual exercises, like what we're doing this morning, worship. And if we miss out on worship, yes, as Josh said this morning, we can worship at home, but there's so many more dimensions to worship when we come together. Don't deny yourselves the joy and the blessing of growing spiritually through worship. Reflection. We just did a little bit of that for a minute or two this morning. But how good it is to find a comfortable seat in your home somewhere where you've got nothing to do for five minutes. Just sit there and reflect. And don't, be, don't feel guilty about it. Just reflect on the day, on who you are, on how you're travelling, on the place of Christ in your heart. Reflect. Reading. Read your Bible. Get hold of a good, stimulating Christian biography. Read that and be stimulated by what other people have been able to achieve in their lives. Prayer. And again, as we experienced this morning, sometimes you can pray without using words. Ever tried that? I do that often when I'm walking in the mornings. If I talked out loud, people I walk past would think I was mumbling or something. But you can pray without using words, just allowing the deep thoughts of your heart and mind to rise up to the Lord. Solitude, rest. God invented the Sabbath. You know about that? One day in seven. And somehow, even if we don't stick to a routine like that, through busy times in life, we need to build in a bit of Sabbath rest. The writer of the Hebrews talks about that. Take a break. Be kind to yourself. Include a Sabbath rest in your busy, responsible routines. Simplicity. Now, that's why I was invited here, I think. I enjoy simplicity. Sometimes we, we, we make life and scripture, being a Christian, so complex. But what we're looking at this morning is not rocket science, is it? It's the word of God and it was written to ordinary simple people like us. So let's celebrate our simplicity and let's not complicate what isn't complicated. So friends, because in Christ we've been born again, our salvation journey has begun. Feed that spirit. Become a robust Christian so that the journey ahead with Christ on board, with the fellowship of the church, will see you right through to the end. Grow to your maturity in Christ. So there we are. That's the second one. Let's hurry on growing. What's the third one? Building. Now, these themes are pretty, pretty common to this church, aren't they? The loving one. The, the growing one, how good it is to see little children being born into our church families, the little toddlers um, playing in the, in the play groups, the little ones in our Bible buddies. This church over the years has known a great deal about growing and also a great deal about building. 
I'll never forget the day those portables out there were brought in by huge trucks and cherry pickers and they dropped them right on the very place and now you people have built a lovely um, uh, auditorium around them as well. Building is not a new image for Kilsyth South. Um, it's part of your brand. I remember Tim telling me that um, while the building was going on, he was in touch with the, the, the workers and <clears throat> one or two of them one day said, now this building that we're, we're doing here out in the bush by the mountains, what's it going to be for? What are you going to do here? What a great question. I didn't ask Tim how he answered it. But I think he would have been tempted to give the guy a sermon. But I, he would have said something a bit funnier than that. Um, but we're here not to build beautiful facilities, even though you people are to be so congratulated on the, on the, the range of facilities that you have here. And just in the few weeks that, that I've been here, it's just been great to see the way all of these facilities, I, I think I can say all of them, without exception, are being put to great use for people, for the church families and for the community. What a great, great privilege and opportunity that is. So Peter talks about building and he says, as you come to him in verse 4, that, that's, that's a good translation, as you Keep coming to him, to Jesus. It doesn't say when you come to him for the first time and that's it. It says as you keep, keep, keep coming to Jesus. Day after day, hour after hour, along the journey of any one day, keep coming back to Jesus and seek his guidance and strength and wisdom that he's promised to give. As you come to Jesus to that living stone. And he's got a couple of titles here. Jesus is called the living stone and he's also called the cornerstone, speaking of the, of the construction of a building. Now, we're not quite sure what a living stone is, whether it moves around in the mortar or what, but we know that the cornerstone was like the capstone that all the rest of the stones fitted in with and that was the key to the whole of the building. And Jesus is the cornerstone, but he's also the living stone. And then do you know what else Peter says? He says, you also, like living stones, are being, into a, being built into a spiritual house. Friends, that is a beautiful image. Jesus is the living stone, and we individually are living stones, and we are being melded and shaped so that we can fit in with Jesus and fit in with each other. It's an amazing image. And as this building, this spiritual building, is being strengthened and, and upheld, the purpose of this spiritual house is to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, this spiritual house is invisible except through the deeds of service and witness that take place as a result of our membership in that spiritual 
house. It's, it's a beautiful image. I can remember when I was a little kid, um, I spent a week with my dad um, helping him build a rock wall which was at the base of a paling fence. And, and my dad went into overdrive on this. I think, I think the wall is still there. It'll be there when the house crumbles and decays. But it, was a, it wasn't a brick wall, it was a rock wall. So we had many, many faces of these rocks and we had to scour around among these rocks that had been de delivered and see how each one could fit in so that the front of this wall was smooth and a good fascia. The back of it didn't matter because nobody was going to see that. But it had to, all the rocks had to fit in according to their shapes and their sizes. And friends, it's a bit like that with us. We don't always all have to be the same. So I look around this morning, I think you're probably all saying, that's a blessing, isn't it? We don't always have to be the same. God in his great wisdom and humour has made us different, different from each other. And that's what, that's what adds enrichment to the, the spiritual house, the body of Christ. But we are built into that house together as living stones. So, friends, that's the joy, that's the privilege that we have of being built into this spiritual house. And with Christ, the living stone, that same lofty title has been given to every one of us here this morning who is following Jesus. Friends, you fit into the spiritual house alongside Jesus and alongside the rest of us. So what have we looked at this morning? Loving, growing, building, and the last one is serving. And skipping over to verse 9, Peter continues with these lofty titles. You're a chosen people. Great, great titles, aren't they? I'm not going to unpack what they mean this morning. Chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the promises of him, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Lord, friends, that's, that's our commission, to be servants, to leave this church, to go out through the foyer, greet each other, encourage each other, get back onto the road and be servants of the living God again through this week. Some of you might say, well, how do we do that? Because our world is becoming increasingly hostile to Christianity and the gospel. Well, yes, that is, that is true. But according to a recent article that I, that I saw, it said that more than 60%, more than this was in a, a faith and belief survey from last year, it said more than 60% of Australians are still open to Christianity. That's our opportunity, isn't it? To connect with people who are still slightly open and interested. That happened at the State Youth Games a couple of weeks ago. Some of our young people and youth leaders had opportunity to talk with kids who are asking questions about following Jesus. Last Wednesday night, we were here with the Alpha Group. There were people here in our church interested in seeking after 
Jesus. At our church at Croydon Hills, our life groups have just gone through a video program called Jesus the Life Changer. Um, About 16 sessions where Carl Fay, a Baptist pastor in Sydney, has travelled the world and interviewed leading people in industry, in education, in theology, in, in a whole range of areas, just trying to unearth what is, the, what is the influence that Jesus has had on Western democratic countries. They're profound. And one of the ladies that, that belongs in our community over at Croydon, Croydon North had been invited to one of the, the groups at our church and she, she saw the first one or two, but she wasn't able to get back to the others. And somehow I got talking with her about them. And she's, I don't think she's a believer, but she said to me, the values that Jesus has pumped into our world are amazing. I'd love to be able to see the rest of those. So I went down to Koorong and bought one of these DVDs for her. And, and, and last time I saw her, I had it there with me and I gave it to her. Her eyes just lit up and she said, Graeme, thank you so much. I'll give it back to you when I finish with them. I said, Maureen, that's for you. Go through it. Enjoy it. Share it with your friends. There are people like that. All we've got to do is tap into them. Tap into their spot, their point of of interest. The other day I was down at, and with this I must close, I was down at um, Croydon Central. I had to nick down the street I think it was Saturday about midday and I was walking out and there was a lovely young girl who came up to me and said, excuse me, sir, um, can I ask you a question? Well, I'm not used to being approached by young, young ladies with a question like that, so I didn't quite know what to say, but I said, look, depends on what the question is. And I could see that she was representing Oxfam, um, social organisation for which I have the, the highest regard. And she said, the question is, do you know how many children are living without shelter every night in our country? And I said, well, look, I've got to tell you the truth. I know it's a lot, of, a lot of children and it's a disturbing reality, but I don't know the number. And she just proceeded to tell me what Oxfam is trying to do. And then I thought, I didn't want to cut her off. So I said, look, before you go any further... Can I tell you something that, that our church, together, and this is Croydon Hills, together with lots of other churches in the Maroondah area are involved in. Churches have got together, I think there are about 150 volunteers, and through the Wesley Uniting Church in Ringwood are providing winter shelter for a bunch of homeless men. And all the volunteers are being trained so that they know what to do. And I just outlined that and I won't go into it now. And her eyes opened wide and she said, in Maroondah, where we live, is that taking place? I was just able to share with her in this way something that the churches in our area are trying to do to support other people. Friends, we're out there to serve, aren't we? We're out there to look for opportunities. And if not to look for opportunities then to try and create them so that we can work the gospel into our conversation. I've gone too long this morning, apologise for that. But I hope this word has been clear and straightforward 
and applicable to your circumstances. Can I pray with you? Let's pray. Our loving Father, we thank you again for your word to us. We thank you for its clarity. We thank you for its challenge. We thank you for its relevance to our lifestyle even today. And we pray that as we've been encouraged and inspired and challenged in our worship, in our fellowship this morning, that you will help us to leave this place encouraged and strengthened to serve the living God, wherever we go during the days of this coming week. For Jesus' sake, amen.